Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. You're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, presented by Scree Gear, performance hunting apparel, performance layering system. You hear us talk about them all the time, and uh, we still have the LABH code that you can use on the website to get 20% off your first order, but they have decided to extend the risk-free promotion through the month of October, and that is a whitetail starter bundle with a merino shirt, vest, lightweight pant, neck gaiter, gloves, and a cap. Everything you need to get in a tree and make a hunt. Head to toe, and the way the promotion works, it's it's risk-free. You, you buy it, you try it for up to 14 days. If you're not totally satisfied, return it, no questions asked, and... You get your money back. So check them out at ScreeGear.com. Follow them on Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can find out a whole lot of information about their gear and everything that's going on with Scree. That's S-K-R-E, ScreeGear.com. Kyler, we are, uh, we're officially into the season. Um, we've talked about some early season hunting, and we have talked about our last episode actually – uh, dropped on opening day and we talked about a lot of things about plans for opening weekend and I know that you had plans to go to the camp and and hunt so how did opening weekend go for you uh it was hot I think that was the the main message everybody's gonna have it was hot it, um, had to double up on the thermocells for the first time ever thank god I had two of them at the camp but um 
it, I didn't see anything on stand. Saw a couple of deer walking out of the woods Saturday. That's about it. Um, hung cameras everywhere that I wanted to and not hardly any activity on those. Some nighttime stuff, but really not a lot of movement. Um, you know, this is that time of year where it's hot, so they don't want to walk far and the acorn trees started dropping so they don't have to walk far. So it's, it's kind of difficult when you're trying to hunt feed trees and it's hot because they, they might move a hundred yards in a day. And if you can't get into their hundred yard circle without spooking them, then you're going to have a tough time killing deer. So, um, but, uh, wasn't the best weekend, but it wasn't bad either. It was, it was a good time though. It was good to be back out. Yeah. To your point, um, so I didn't hunt this weekend. I had too many other things going on. And I, I know leading into the weekend, I looked at the weather and I thought, well, I mean, that's kind of typical for Louisiana, the south opening weekend. But then it was actually worse than it was forecasted. It was hotter. And it was. It was, it was muggy. Like, I, I mean, even at my son's football game on Saturday, it was just miserable. It was just that thick, muggy air. And to your point about the feeding – you know, even for guys that are hunting, you know, private, I mean, you're, I know you're hunting public ground and, and you're hunting feed trees and stuff like that, but even for the guys hunting pub, uh, private ground who, you know, maybe have some feed sites set up or, or a feeder or anything like that, and, you know, that's a typical early season tactic, I, I can say that I have a spot that I set up and I put some corn and rice bran out and put a camera on it, trying to set up a spot for my son to hunt. And it's been out a couple of weeks, and I've had three or four different bucks and two nice bucks pretty much every day um, for the last two weeks. And I went in there Sunday to kind of freshen the spot up and actually change the camera. camera was pointed kind of crooked, so I was fixing the camera. And uh, it's it's Wednesday now as we record this, and I don't have a single picture of those bucks since then. And hmm. to your point... Um, I mean, this is a small corner of hardwoods at the end of a, a creek bottom where it kind of dumps out into the neighbor's property, and on either side is, is thicket, pine, you know, six-year-old cutover thicket. And to your point, the deer don't have to move far, and they're not going to when it's this hot. So, I mean, inevitably, you know, those deer are bedding very close to wherever they're feeding, whether you're hunting over a your own feed site or you're hunting a feed tree. When you go in there, you're very close to them. And uh, so I would say that it brings up a good point that at this time of the year, you got to be extremely mindful when you go in and set up because most likely, yeah. unless we get a uh, we get on down the road a little bit here and get some better weather, those deer are going to be really close. And if you're going in there and um, setting up to hunt or just going in to check your spot the day before you hunt, anything, um, anything like that, you're you're probably you're probably pushing up on uh, pretty close to those deer. And like in my case, I wasn't trying to be quiet. I, I mean, I wasn't planning on hunting that until this weekend. So, I mean, I, that wasn't my point, but it, it kind of, I can I can verify what you were saying because I really believe that the only the only thing I did this weekend that, that, that can compare or, or validate, and I've <coughs> the same experience, just nothing. I mean, just shut the movement down, you know, sure. for two or three days. So, well. I, one of the things that I, I did on Saturday was, um, so I hung a stand Friday morning in the dark. This is a tree that I had picked out from last year. So I knew exactly where I was going, but I still had to pull some vines down and trim a limb or two and 
I'm just making racket. I do, I do not like setting up stands in the, in the morning. I do I don't like to do it. My program typically is hunt a new spot afternoon first. Leave your stand overnight if you don't kill anything. Hunt it in the morning. Sneak in there real quiet. And if you don't see anything on those two hunts, move on. And and so I don't like setting up stands in the morning. It's just a personal preference. I don't like using the light. I don't like the racket. You know all that stuff. Well, um, Saturday, uh, second day of the season, I found a really good pin oak that was dropping. I found like 15 white oaks. None of them have any acorns on them anywhere at all. Looking in the tree with binoculars, no branch has acorns. I don't know if it's a dry year or what, but the pin oaks were dropping. It was getting hit pretty hard. Found some deer shit on the ground. And so I decided to hunt from my turkey seat, hunt it from the ground. And um, I didn't see anything that night, but... I felt so much more confident in that hunt because I went into a relatively thick area and I didn't like disturb it by hanging a stand or taking a long time to get set up. I pretty much walk in, sit down, put a couple of sticks and some vines around me a little bit and, and I'm done. Like you're done. So um, in that heat, if you're trying to get in somewhere close to a deer and you know that they're within earshot at maybe hunting from the ground might be your best option early season when they're not moving much hey if you're looking for a new piece of hunting property or you have a piece of property you'd like to list for sale contact our friend slade priest the hunting land man slade's a real tree united country land pro and he's more than just a real estate agent Slade has spent his entire life in the outdoors managing property, hunting, fishing, and he really prides himself on understanding putting the right buyer and the right seller together when it comes to outdoor recreational hunting property. Slade was recently ranked number two in the, in the country for, for 2020, Southern States Realty United Country Hunting Properties. If you are in the market, no one sells more, Mississippi and Louisiana, and it's not too late to potentially get into a new piece of property even for this hunting season. Slade tells me you can get to closing pretty quickly, and he's got some fantastic properties recently listed and more coming all the time. Search the hashtag HuntingLandMan, and you'll find all kind of stuff. Slade's got a podcast where you can get all kind of information on land, the buying selling process, so check him out and Go find all of his listings at huntinglandmanms.com. That was something I haven't really done a whole lot, but I said earlier, I, that's a goal of mine this year. I want to hunt on the ground more, and, and I enjoy it. It's, it's, it's fun. So um, I will <laughs> we'll, – I need to say this, though. I told you this earlier. I'm running at about 40% right now. I, uh, I'm on the struggle bus pretty hard. I went to a concert in New Orleans last night. And um, got pretty hammered. I'm not gonna lie. And while I was there, we went to go see Mark Rebele, which is like this loop master, loop loop artist guy, makes up songs on the spot. Really awesome show. And um, while I was there, ran into a guy named Alex Hammers from Lafayette, and he was there in a Louisiana bowhunter shirt. And this is this is New Orleans, which is all already like. You know, the liberal, uh, not non-hunting state of city of the state, blah blah blah. And then we're at a Mark Revelle concert, which is a guy from, I think he lives in New New York or something like that. And I'm like, well, this is the last place I would expect to see this shirt. <laughs> and I had one on too. It wasn't the same one. And we kind of, it was kind of like that 
pointing Spider-Man meme <laughs> at, at first where, you know, you're just standing there like looking at each other, like, hey, we're wearing the same thing. But uh, that was cool. Um, and uh, he had come like driven in from Lafayette to come to the show, but it was a, uh, it was fun, but I'm man, I'm 35 <laughs> and this, uh, this, this, this path is a, it's a rough one, man. Not going to lie. Yeah. Like, I, I I literally today, this is, this might be the most bougie thing I've ever done in my life, but I felt so bad that I went to the remedy room and in, in new Orleans afterwards and got an IV <laughs> literally <laughs> like I legitimately paid too much money to quickly cure my hangover. And I, I stood there just like, we had a blast, but man, I, I used to do. I went to college in New Orleans. I used to do this all. I used to do this nightly. What happened? You know, like why is why is my body against me now? So nice. I'm not feeling great. But while I was there, I saw Sammy at Shags. I stopped in. You, you can't. I can't go to New Orleans without stopping in and seeing Sammy at Shags. He's our guest today. But um, uh, so got to see him, and then I rolled back home. But I'm I'm not going to be the <laughs> the most talkative on this podcast. Just because I'm, I'm uh, a little, a little pain, in a little not, bit of pain right it's now. It's not going to get any better because you're not going to get Mm-mm. any younger. And uh, no way. Yeah, it 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 you're, it's uh, um, the fun of of going out and partying is 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 approaching that uh, diminishing returns value thing. Oh, for sure. And uh, <laughs> I've learned that myself over the last ten years, and um, so I know how you feel, uh, but. The worst part, the worst, the worst of that is when you do it at the camp, and you feel like I'm here, and and especially if it's it's a good time of the year, and you try to force yourself to sit in the woods and pay attention, and uh, can't do it. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. I'm sure yeah. plenty of people listening to us know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah. But you mentioned Sammy uh, being our guest, and um, I'm sure a lot of you. Uh, know about shags it's a you know very well-known archery shop in our state and i think we're kind of you know uh, we might be a little bit late on this topic but i think it's kind of a topic that can carry even into the season in that there's probably a lot of people that are hitting up the archery shops either getting into bow hunting maybe they're getting back into bow hunting after uh taking some time off or maybe they're just uh, you know just taking care of some things as they're, as the season's getting started. And, you know, one of the things that, that we thought would be a good thing to talk about was to talk to someone in the business to find out, you know, what you should expect from not only the archery shop, but what you should expect from yourself as an archer headed into the season. When you go visit the shop, what are, you, what are your expectations for the, 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 your visit there and, and the results thereafter and, and all that sort of thing? So, um, Sammy has been in the business for a long time and obviously meets and greets and talks and helps a lot of people and can probably tell a lot of stories. So we're going to go and talk to Sammy. And, uh, if all of you guys are like me and you, you took the opening weekend off and, um, maybe you're still kind of getting prepped, I think there'll be a lot of great information. So let's go talk to Sammy. Our guests every week are brought to you by our friend Brian Chamberlain, the Chamberlain Lending Team with Movement Mortgage. And if you're in need of a residential loan, primary 
or secondary vacation investment, cash out, rate reduction, renovation for add-ons, any of these kind of needs, contact Brian. Nobody does better. Low credit scores, potentially 0% down, and the movement mortgage 42% of their profits go towards charitable organizations through the Movement Foundation, and that sets them apart. Brian is licensed in Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi, NMLS number 114586, and Movement Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender, NMLS ID number 39179. Sammy Romano from Shags joins us, and uh, very interested to hear about... The business about the industry about what's going on and and want to get some some of your thoughts and opinions about what people should expect when they go into an archery shop what they should expect from them as an uh, from themselves as an archer so sammy how's it going man going great Locke. how are you good glad glad to have you i know we've been doing this uh for four seasons now and honestly i'm, I'm a bit shocked that this is the first time that we've had you on uh you know you're your business there's a, a well-known shop in our state and so uh i guess it's about time yeah Kyler and i've talked about it and for one reason or another we just never got it done but uh, i guess tonight's the night yep so um you know as we record this we're you know pushing up on a week into the 21 22 season so i'm curious to know first of all just how how are things looking um, from your perspective uh, in in the industry in the you know just the archery business in general this year, especially compared against uh, an off a strange year last year with COVID? Well, you know, I, I really thought this year we would, um, from a retail standpoint, um, recover nicely. And let me say, last year was off the hook, and this year has probably been even better if not matched it, as far as general interest in archery, sales. Um, the, the issue that we're having is supply, like in any business. And, you know, be it uh, COVID stimulus payments, people not working, um, material issues, uh, shipping issues for stuff coming out of China, which unfortunately a lot of our stuff in our industry does. Um, it presents a unique challenge for any of us that are that are retailers because we have all the business we can handle and then some, but we can't meet the demand. Right. You know, our, our, our suppliers are lacking horribly. And, uh, that, that's been the biggest thing I, that I hoped would, we would see some relief on that by the third quarter of this year, but we haven't seen it. Um, it's, it's been interesting again, to say the least, but the good thing is we got more people coming into the sport and, uh, people have, some people have had increased time on their hands. And, and so that that's led to um, the fact that you can't, you know, be indoors in large gatherings for quite a while. Um, all of that has led to a, a huge boost to our industry. Um, if we could just meet the demand, that would be awesome. Yeah. We talked about this last year um, on the podcast and I'm sure uh plenty of people have seen and read i mean the outdoor just outdoor recreation uh, industries uh in every facet from hunting and fishing to hiking and camping and rvs and atvs everything was boosted by the fact that so many other things got shut down and and it is an opportunity that was 
something that we discussed. I don't remember, Kyler, which podcast that was, but we did talk with someone about that and, and just talked about how do we retain that momentum to, to grow the sport because, you know, you, you have an influx. How do you keep them, right? Like, yeah. How do you keep them engaged and continuing to be? So that that's, I mean, I know you're dealing with the, the supply issue, like you said, many industries <laughs> are, and hopefully we do all for all of us for just life's sake. I know it's fr- like for me – I joke about it, but it's it's the absolute truth. I've been on a unbelievable streak of breaking things, like, and I'm talking about four wheelers and tractors and all the kind of stuff <laughs> that that you need in the summertime going into the season. I actually, before we, were, we jumped on here, I've been changing out the water pump on my tractor, and I'm waiting on a new. I've got it all taken apart, and everything is that way. It's hard to get parts. It's hard to get anything. And so hopefully that's some relief. Is is there anything that 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 strikes you that's kind of new to the market that that people would find or or find out about in an archery shop this year? Something that's new that maybe has taken taken you've taken note of? You know, it's 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 been such a daily struggle just to get inventory that I, I honestly it's been a blur. Um I told somebody yesterday, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's in the restaurant industry and he manages or, or owns a share of 39 Applebee's. And he told me, we were just talking about this industry to industry. And he said, you know, Sammy, I would give anything just to go in and have a normal day. And that's kind of how my thing has been just to go to the shop and be able to actually wait on customers, work on bows and not chase inventory half the day. Um, So that's kind of, made it tough to focus on stuff because you get a little bit of of ADD or scatterbrain when you're running around beating out fires trying to find inventory. Um, that being said, the class of, of compound bows this year was, you know, really, really, really strong. Um, there's a lot of years. We, we carry Hoyt, Matthews, Bowtech, um, mission bear i mean we've got we've got a vast array of bows in our store and there's a lot of years that that one brand will outshine the others or have a little more interest but but this year's it's been a a photo finish and um it's good to see the level of quality coming up just across the board hey guys i want to take a minute to tell you about the newest supporter of our podcast, Freebird Coffee Company. Freebird Coffee is a Louisiana-based small business, and it's veteran-owned and operated by three lifelong friends that love the great outdoors as much as they love great coffee. All three guys are big hunters and outdoorsmen and part of the Louisiana bow hunter community, with one of them still serving our country as active-duty military. They specialize in roasting small-batch, 100% organic, single-origin, Rainforest Alliance-certified coffee. Their coffee is a small-batch roasted, so it doesn't sit on the shelves for months like many of the big-bag coffees. This guarantees its freshness and gives it a taste that separates it from the rest. Freebird offers three different roasts, a medium roast, a French roast, and a high-caffeine roast, all in unique, eye-catching, outdoor-branded packaging. Freebird Coffee Company also offers a line of apparel and merchandise, and you can check them out at freebirdcoffee.com. Currently, Freebird Coffee is distributed online only. However, they're looking to get 
into stores and expand their presence. So if you own a store or you know someone who has a store and would like to carry Freebird Coffee, reach out and get in touch with them. I can tell you my wife and I are both big coffee drinkers, and we brewed a pot of the French roast recently, and I was very impressed. So check them out online at freebirdcoffeecompany.com and follow them on Instagram at freebirdcoffeeco and use the discount code FREEDOM for 10% off your purchase. Freebird Coffee, the best damn coffee in the world. What about arrows? What's the arrow situation like this year, Sam? I mean, I remember arrows were the bottleneck um, to like getting in the woods last year. It's ugly. Um, so, you know, yeah. I, well, and again, I, I swore that I wouldn't be in that situation again this year, and to a large extent, I'm not. But um, one one thing that we've had to adapt to is not putting all of our eggs in one basket, and I think human nature is to kind of focus on stuff that you like and, and go deep into that. But last year we were left hanging and, and not at the manufacturer's fault, you know, they're, they're not getting supplies on their end. So, but we were left hanging and I I really tried to work hard to spread my eggs out in a lot of baskets, so to speak, and, and not to be in that situation. And yet I'm back in that situation to some degree not as severe as last year. It just, I have arrows that I ordered last November and programmed out. And, you know, programming orders allows us to manage cash flow as a business, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and also just the physical aspect of, of, you know, we're on veterans highway space is extremely expensive. Um, they're not making more land in, in Metairie or new Orleans. You're in the levees. <laughs> so, no just a physical storage standpoint um it's been tough but i realize now i should have taken them all up front because it used to be a a programmed order was kind of like a handshake deal you could count on them to come through and they just don't have it um broadheads i ordered broadheads from a company that would that we focus very strongly on i've never had an issue even last year i didn't have a lot of issue with them and I actually called him. I'm like, did I not do my job and order these broadheads? I'm I'm having a brain fart here. And they're like, oh, no, you have three programmed orders, July, August, and September. So this is about early August. I said, well, where's my July order? Well, we don't have anything to fill any of them. And I'm thinking, mm. well, that's been seven months, but eight months. But that's just how it is. So, yeah, arrows, broadheads, uh, lighted knocks. You know, stuff that, that everybody uses has been really hard to come by. It's been frustrating. Mm. Yeah, that's, well, that's a pain. Yeah, that's that's tough, especially this time of the year, because I'm sure you get a lot of those customers that are frantically realizing, oh, crap, I don't have what I thought I had, and I'm getting ready to go hunt next weekend. or And they're looking for a quick fix, you know, to a to a shortage on their end, and that's a bad spot to be in these days with with anything but it sounds like with archery as well um you what, know this world has changed drastically in the last two three years it, it even before covid things were starting to change and, and in our industry but it really accelerated with covid and and I, I think you know we as retailers have to adapt as i as i'm saying i'm going to our strategies but the consumer has, you know, they have some accountability to plan ahead a little more because custom bowstrings are a great example. Um, oh, yeah. 
you know, there's been a huge boost in that. And um, strings that I would get, and they would go out of the manufacturer in two to three days, and we would have them within a week. They don't leave there for six to eight, even 12, 14, 15 weeks now, depending on the time of year. Wow. Um, and so, you know, somebody that, that's been doing this for years and is used to coming in around August, September and ordering a string or getting the string put on, that's not a realistic expectation anymore if they have their mindset on a certain custom string. It's just not it's not like that. So it it's definitely incumbent on the on the consumer to plan further ahead, to buy a dozen arrows, not a half dozen. If you know, if you shoot a fair amount. Um, make sure you have your ducks in a row well before the season because once that supply runs out, especially with the shipping issues from China, once once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. Well, the one positive that, that I wanted to mention was even even because you alluded to it, in the, in the same way that you're having issues with inventory, the manufacturers are having issue with with material as well um they have to they have to order material to build the things and and it is it's a positive to me to hear that you feel like the bow market and the new the new stuff that came out this year is strong because i think i hear a lot from people to to the guy and i would call this a majority but and i I think i'm right um the guy who's a bow hunter and loves to bow hunt and loves his bow and all that, but is not necessarily big into archery. I think at times it feels like, okay, what's what are really these new bows every year? How much improvement is there really? You know, they all kind of seem to run together. So even in, in these difficult times for them to be continuing to innovate and come out with, with – improve products uh i guess is the way the way the way to say it uh how, how did you say it strong a strong strong line of products that's yeah, a, a good... strong strong class of bows this year but but some of that too is is caused by covid because and i i, I take matthews because you know they're one of our premier you know premier brands but classic example and I, I know i'm a little closer with some of those guys and i know the inner workings a little more of them it enabled them to do some things that Matt had had on the back burner kind of, because just like any of us going through our daily lives, our routines, you get caught up in stuff and stuff comes at you and you got stuff that you always mean to do, but you just never quite get around to it. And yeah, when they got point. shut down last year for two months, they got around to it. Right. It's a, yeah. good, it's a very good point. Cause that, yeah, I'm sure that was across the board. Right? Oh yeah, there's a lot. Of, you hear that same kind of story from a lot of different businesses, you know, and and not just businesses, but people's personal lives. You know, getting caught up on so many things that they just never take the time to do. Life slowed down a lot, um, so that's good. But you know, you, you you've alluded in the last um, few things that we've discussed here to kind of what we wanted to focus a lot on in this discussion for this podcast episode and that's talking a little bit about the accountability and the expectation of the consumer of the archer when they come to the bow shop um, when they leave the bow shop and and what they should expect from their experience and what they should expect from themselves and what they should be doing and I know um, in, in conversations that 
that have been had leading up to this podcast. You obviously have been in the business for a very long time, and you you get to, you get to interface with a lot of people, uh, a lot of different people coming from a lot of different backgrounds. So you were the perfect person to engage in this conversation with us. So I I guess let's start out by just kind of talking in general about the expectation, you know, from your point of view to – uh, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of different subsets of, of the archer slash consumer here, but let's start with the new archer. You know, what what should people expect from a bow shop experience and what should they take with them and, and what are some kind of uh, stories, pointers, opinions that you have about those things? You know, every everybody obviously has an opinion and and – Mine's not necessarily always right, certainly. Lord knows I'm wrong half the time or better. But um, I do have a lot of experience in this. And I, one thing that I've I've realized being in this industry close to 30 years is the longer I'm in it, the more I'll say, well, that won't work. You know, I don't say that anymore because there's a lot of different ways to, to get into bow hunting and to bow hunt. And everybody gets in it for different reasons and and they take different things away from it. But the, the one constant I think is that we, we need to be ethical when we're hunting and we need to look out for the, you know, the interests of the animal. We don't want to have wounded animals. We don't want to give our sport a black eye. We want to be positive and we want people ultimately to have a good experience in the field. I think that's what everybody wants. Um, and that you got every every walk of life in bow hunting. I've always said bow hunting is a microcosm of life. You can you can learn life lessons from bow hunting, um, more so than than a lot of other sports. You know, if you're not organized or not prepared, or it's a it's a detail oriented sport. If you don't cross your T's and dot your I's, you will pay the price sooner or later. Um, much like life, you really have to go at it. Uh, from an organized point of view and and really make sure to follow through on things yeah i, I we we definitely uh, agree and i and i know kyler does too because we've had so many conversations around similar topics uh, and and it's it it, it 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 maybe it's a broken record kind of thing but it, archery is just it's something that you have to commit to uh personally you know, in order to, to be successful. So, you know, from the archery shop's perspective, when, when you're looking at a new, uh, somebody that's coming in, maybe they, their buddies bow hunt and they've been, they've been looking at, at doing it or, or maybe they've done it very casually or, you know, they're just, they're, they're coming in and they're looking at you and they're looking at the archery shop as a, a kicking off point. Uh, what, what are, what should their expectations be from that visit? And when we talk about the things that you just mentioned, the organization and, and you didn't use the word accountability, but I'll use the word accountability. It kind of fits um, with oh, what yeah. you're talking about. Uh, what, what, what should the expectation be from that visit? I mean, what should their mindset be um, both coming into the shop and then, and then, you know, down the road after as they venture off into their, their archery, uh, whatever you want to call it, career? so to speak, or? Sure. And then, like I said, a lot of people come in with a lot of different expectations. It, it all depends on their point of view. You got the guy that wants to go to camp and spend a little time with his buddies. 
he's not really that into bow hunting. He's more of a gun hunter, but he wants to be up there that time of year. And if he's there, he might as well go get in a tree. And, you know, some of those guys become some of our best bow hunters down the road. But at, at that point, they, they just want to dip their toes in the water. They don't want to jump in. And that guy's expectations are very different from the guy who's who's hunting on a real expensive lease. And, you know, he's he's gun hunted for years and he's at a point that he's he's over all that he's really he's looking for a new challenge bow hunting is going to be his primary thing um you have every walk of life in between so um you know the our job at the bow shop is to make your experience what you want it to be um and that's that's sometimes it's difficult it's hard to please everybody but we do our best and if you come into a pro shop and you, and do your homework, you know, get some recommendations, uh, talk to some people who bow hunt, see who they use, get their experience. And if you go in there and you got somebody that's recommended, at least listen to them, hear them out, because that's why you're going there for their knowledge. You don't go to the doctor and tell him what's wrong with you. That's why you're going to the doctor for him to diagnose and treat you. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure over the years you've ran into a lot of hard-headed people and and you've alluded to the fact that you know there's so many different varieties of opinions and expectations and 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 all that thing with people that come in. Um let, let let's kind of paint a picture and and kind of let you go go on that like if if I'm if I'm the guy who comes in and um uh, I have a good experience at the shop you know, you, you, you get me set up, you, uh, you get me out the door ready to, ready to, to proceed and, and shoot my bow and, and go hunt and, and all that sort of thing. And, uh, it's, I think in my experience, it's always been kind of a, you know, a, a high moment, so to speak, kind of a, a I don't want to use the word euphoric because that's, that might be a little bit strong, but it's always, you're always kind of hyped up. You know, when you leave the bow shop, you're like, you're ready to go conquer the biggest adventure and become the biggest archer and the best hunter because you feel, you know, especially, uh, like I said, the paint, the picture I'm trying to paint here is of the positive experience. I know, you know, sometimes that, that might not be the case, but for our example here, you, you go into the shop and, and everything goes good and you like what they have to say and you really click with the, uh, with, with the person helping you there and they get you all set up and you leave and you're ready to go, you know. What, in your opinion, you know, what's the best, what are some best practices from, you know, just the, the, the litany of, of different customers that, that you've dealt with, both returning and, and whatnot? You know, when you leave the bow shop and, and you've, you've gotten the advice, you've gotten geared up, you got everything right and you're ready to go, what's, what's some best practices for somebody to uh, take with them and put into play so that they can continue to have a good experience and continue to feel positive about what they're doing and then ultimately be successful with their new bow setup or or maybe just with with their their gear that you've tuned up and gotten ready to go so you know we're all we're all focused on gear as a society if and, and, and my job when you come in that store my obligation to the shop is to sell you new gear that's what we're there for um not only to help you have a good experience, but to sell you new gear. So we tend to focus, if you if you watch the Pursuit Channel or the Sportsman's Channel, it's all about the next new product that'll help you shoot, that'll help you do this. You know, this new bow, you've got to have it. And yeah, that stuff's nice. 
but there's one thing that'll make you better, and that's practice. All that other stuff is window dressing. You have to follow through and you have to put the time in. Time is the one thing that you can't buy. And it's the one thing that'll really make you a better archer and a better hunter. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Let me, ask, let me ask you this, Sammy. So somebody, somebody's relatively new uh, to bow hunting. Maybe they have a bow already. Um, and they're not looking to buy a new one, but they come to you because they need arrows every year or they need tuning or service work or whatever. Um, one of the things, one of the things that's interesting to me about bow hunting is that a lot of the lessons that we learn in the woods are, are hard ones, right? It's like, well, that didn't work. I need to do it this way. Or, well, I'm not seeing any deer. I should stop walking with the wind at my back, you know, and and things like that. Um, well, I've learned but, a lot of those. How how often, if ever, because this is a, like I've learned that men, guys especially, we're not the best at humbly, humili- uh, What's the word? Humility. Humility. Like we don't have a whole lot of humility. Um, what's the best way to ask your botech for help on form or saying you've got a problem or is that something that you as a as an archery uh, tech owner etc etc is that something that you do you ever give out free advice that was kind of like unsolicited or do you not do that anymore they need to like pipe up if they want your help no i I try to i mean i tell you this time of year you get run down i mean it's been a long preseason for me and i probably don't have quite the the fire in me that i did at the beginning it's like anybody else but you know ultimately you got to remember everybody that most people that have a shop do this because they love the sport and they, and they love archery. So yeah, we all want to see people succeed. Successful archers spend more money with us. They become yep. part of the sport. They grow the sport. It's all good. Um, but it, it, at times you do become a little jaded because you, you said something that was key. Guys have a lot of ego. Women mm-hmm. don't. And I've always said, I'd rather teach a hundred women than one guy to shoot a bow because and my buddy rod jenkins who's a two or three time world champion three time i think twice with a recurve once with a compound when i took class from him this year he said the same thing he said you tell a lady something one time she listens she doesn't ask you why she doesn't want you to break doesn't it down fuck you, she just, doesn't fight it fight you yeah no she mm-hmm. does it because you know she's asking your advice um as guys, we tend to have this this ego thing that you know, if man, if I ask for help, I'm showing weakness on some level. Yep. We all have that, and uh, it's just how we're wired. The biggest thing I tell people is ask, and yeah. and you know, it's so rewarding to see a customer ask you for help. You give them the help, and then you see them improve. That's that's why we all do what we do, deep down, and uh, most times if you ask. I, I'm more than willing to give help. I may tell you, you have to come back in the evening or something. I'm, I'm jammed up and I don't want to rush it, but we really do try to help people. And the ones who take to heart what we're saying, you know, it, it really helps their form. Even I need people to look at me and, and look at my form. Certainly I'm no uh, picture of perfect form, but one of the hardest things is for a guy who's a tech because you're shooting everybody's bows, left hand, right hand, short draw, long draw, heavy poundage, light poundage. You almost lose your own identity 
as far as an, an archery form. And mm-hmm. so it, I, I love to have somebody who knows what they're doing really pick me apart and look at my form because they can see stuff that I'm doing that I don't even realize. How, how, sure. how often, and obviously goes without saying, this is not with, not with the intention of naming a name uh, of any kind, but how often do you have return customers that seem to always come back maybe each year in preseason or maybe multiple times throughout the year and it's it's always the same thing you know you tell them about their equipment about maybe it's about their shooting form all that kind of and it just it's like you're talking to a brick wall it's it do you have those kind of do we have that culture we we have that culture of you know it's a lot of times it's the same people who are the last minute each year and uh who don't cross their t's and dot their i's or don't uphold their end of the deal to get their equipment in get it maintained and then it's it's and i think it's a it's a societal thing and then they're looking for somebody to blame when things don't go their way on the hunt and you know i had a guy this year he had a crossbow i'm not going to mention the brand but it was the first one i saw this particular model and we've been seeing a lot of them and the the cables broke so stop what i was doing fix it he had a hunt and i said look you know I'm seeing these things come in. We need to address this. We need to maintain this thing a little more than every other year, every third year. Let's let's be proactive. Let's jump on it and change the string every year. Stay ahead of the game. He came in, uh, I think, opening day or day before, got to his camp, didn't change the string, cocked it back, string broke again. So this time it did a little more damage. So here he is without a, a crossbow on opening week. You know, that was preventable. Yeah. I just... I, let, me, let me tell you this, Sammy. You were you said this to me last year, um, and I, I, it stuck with me because I thought it was funny but not funny at the same time. So, first of all, I, I came and saw you today. When I was leaving New Orleans, I came and stopped by I saw you. So, you know firsthand how rough I'm feeling today, right? We talked about oh, that yeah. a little earlier in the, in the intro. I, I'm, I'm a, a little down, but – um, anyway, I was, I was amazed at how many crossbows you had there to repair. And that was, you told me it was just from this week that had been brought in since yesterday, I think, or something. Um, but the thing that you told me last, last year, I said, Sammy, you've been hunting. And you said, how could I? I've got to fix all these damn crossbows. <laughs> you know, <I've, laughs> I don't have time to go hunting. I, I'm too busy fixing crossbows. So that, um, that has changed things a lot, that dynamic. And, uh, yeah. So that 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 kind of leads me to an, a question that I didn't expect to have, but um, is is that a is that an indictment on our general culture of hunters, or is that an indictment on crossbows? Are they not dependable? Like what? No, what? it's it's an indictment on our general culture of hunters, but but it's an indictment on our society. It's an indictment on the the whole way that we do things and and listen this can apply to vertical bows as well as as crossbows but the crossbows where you really see it um it it really brings it to the surface we live in a culture of instant gratification of shortcuts of results social media everybody wants to put that big deer up there on social media you know they want to be the 
the best hunter out there. It's, it's somewhere in us is that that competitive spirit to get the biggest one or, you know, walk the extra mile, whatever it is. And uh, for some people, crossbows are a bridge from gun hunting. For some people, obviously, it has a little more range um, with less practice. The, the biggest thing is people are buying them for various reasons, but a lot of it is that, that it's much easier to shoot a crossbow than it is to shoot a vertical bow. You're not required to hold the weight back, whatever the case. But the thing is, it crossbow is not a simple machine to operate. And as a society, we've become lazy. You know, we want to shop online. Easy to go push a button and they ship it right to your house. Well, the problem is when the crossbow comes to your house, doesn't come with a tech to set it up. It doesn't come with somebody to show you how to use it. And I, I think to some degree, societally, we've dumbed down some. I don't know what it is, but you know, mechanics are not in most people's repertoire. So they get the crossbow, they put it together wrong half the time, or they get it and they, they don't know how to operate it. And, you know, one thing about a crossbow, it's a huge amount of poundage. You're basically holding up a, a bomb with a short fuse on it. Mm-hmm. People don't realize how much power. And it's kind of like a tractor lock. If you run a tractor, tractor will kill you and laugh at you while it's doing it if you don't run it right mm-hmm. but if you operate it correctly it's a tool yeah i i'm i'm right there with you on that because i i've worked in i worked in a bow shop for a couple of years and and obviously have been around them a lot more than that and i'm i I've, i don't hunt with a crossbow and and to be completely honest with you i've only even shot a crossbow a handful of times and they freak me out i'm not even gonna lie like uh, there's some parts about them that are interesting to me just as a weapon and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I worked in a, in a very high volume, high traffic archery shop in Baton Rouge for two years. And it was right at the time when crossbows, it, it wasn't the year that they became legal, but it was right after. And it was kind of at the, at the peak of everybody, you know, was getting into crossbow hunting because it was becoming, uh, uh, you know, a, a big thing. And so we had a lot of them, and uh, they weren't as advanced uh, in technology and innovation as they are now. And not that I think that matters that much in, in terms of this conversation. But, I, I man, those things freak me out. I mean, when you caught, especially some of the, 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 the higher-end ones that are really, really powerful, I, you to your point, you said it very well it's a bomb in your hand and when you when you crank that thing down and you got to put your fingers in front of it to drop an arrow arrow on the on the slide and all that and it's like I just have always I watched a guy um in the shop this was like in 2006 or 2007 I watched a guy he was in town visiting family he was from Wisconsin or somewhere like that and this is a I'm, I'm glad we led to this. this is a good story for a lot of the things that we've said this guy was was in town visiting his wife with his wife visiting his wife's family and and it was kind of like the middle of the day on a Wednesday like October and he's like I just need to get out of the house I'm just up here hanging out you know just come to the local uh, sporting goods store archery shop and get out of the house so he came in he's like yeah I'm a hunter I'm a bow hunter bow hunted all my all my life uh I've 
not really looked at crossbows much, and, and so he was really intrigued by it because we had so many of them, and he wanted to shoot one. So we loaded him up, and he goes out in the range, and I sat right behind him and watched him poke his thumb up as he shot and basically took the end of his thumb off. Oh, God. And to the point about the ego thing that we talked about, this guy, I literally watched him shave something about like a half an inch off the end of his thumb. And he tried to act like it wasn't a big deal. He's like, oh, I'm a butcher. I, I cut meat. I cut myself. I'm like, dude, you didn't just cut yourself. You just cut the end of your thumb off like it's laying on the ground. And well, he's, he, one, we were like trying thing, to. He won't cut it off again. No, we were trying he's to like. Now. We were trying to get him medical help, and he was like, "Nah, just give me some paper towels. I'll go get get it patched." And he was trying. I mean, it was yeah. obviously a bad deal, and he was trying to act like, you know, the tough guy about it. But to your point, the things scare me half to death. Like if you if you haven't, and maybe I'm just being a, a pudding about it, but like uh, every time I've ever held one and it's cocked, I'm like, man, this thing, I've, I've, I've filmed some guys that were crossbow hunting, I'm up in the tree with one of those things, and they just unnerve me, but, um, well, go ahead. I, I, th- I think comfort comes with experience with them, it's like anything else, um, and I've killed some deer with a crossbow, I hunted with one for a couple of years, just playing around, and, you know, I think it adds a different dimension to our sport, I'm not anti-crossbow, but I think if you're going to pick one up, you darn sure better get some instruction and uh, make sure it's, you know, put together by a professional, not just go out there and start slinging. Yeah. Well, I hate to kind of step all the way off into it, but you, you, you kind of talked around it a little bit, and I'm just curious to 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 to, to hear your thought is. Are we are we kind of looking at a situation where I, I I'm 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 sure just hearing you talk that you we probably share the opinion that no one should look at archery and bow hunting as just a way to kill a deer during a season when they can't use a gun because that attitude in general is not going to lend itself to all the things we're talking about that's going to make you uh, enjoy it and be successful and be ethical and and all those things so. Are, are we are we kind of are we leaning up against a culture where the crossbow is a crutch for the person who's really not going into it with the right mindset to begin with? Is it the shortcut that we're talking about in society? For for some people, I mean, they, look, everybody's got different reasons. Like I said, so I don't want to put it in a box. Um, quite honestly, the the year that I hunted with one. I just didn't have time to practice with my bow and I wasn't going to go out there. You know, that's, that sounds, that's an easy thing to say, but I really didn't. We were that busy at the store. I was shorthanded. And for me, I wasn't going to go out there and shoot at an animal with something that I didn't have a hundred percent confidence in. Yeah. So I remember when you told me that, Sammy, I I remember that. I remember that was like two years ago, three years ago, maybe. Um, Maybe four or five, but I was fighting bad target panic, and I just I know I know how to fix that. I didn't have the time to put in to fix it. Yeah, and 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 so just to kind of wrap this into something that we've already talked about, I I was I've kind of been waiting to bring that story up about you because I, I'll be the first to admit that, and I, and I have no problem saying it. 
if you're able-bodied and you want to hunt deer during archery season, I think you should do it with a bow. Like that's, that's my opinion. And I don't care what's legal and what's not, but if you're not, if you're no matter how you're going to hunt anything, you should do it responsibly. And with a rifle, I don't care if you're shooting with a cannon, it doesn't matter. Do it to where the deer suffers the least and you are still a, a good sportsman uh, and a good woodsman. But I remember when you told me you were shooting a crossbow and um, I, I, I probably did that thing that all of us guys do, which is like rib jab and be like, oh, you know, like, how's you going to fit in your purse or something, you know, something like that. Right, right, right. And, 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 you know, and you, and you said it was the best answer I've ever heard. And it was the most honest answer I've ever heard. It had nothing to do with being lazy or time. It was, you said, you know, I've really been struggling with my bow and target panic. And this is the way that I feel I should shoot an animal the most responsible way and still enjoy the woods. And I was like, that's the best freaking answer anybody's ever given me because that's still a reason, you know, that, that is a good reason to shoot something else. Whereas most people like for me, from my perspective in archery and bow hunting, and it doesn't care. It doesn't matter if it's a trad bow or a compound. It is, um, it's our October's our month. It was archery season is is made for bow hunters and primitive, and again youth art youth youth hunters with rifle and stuff like that. And so when you've got somebody that that doesn't have a um, I say valid but a respectable reason as to like something like hey I I think I would be more sportsmanlike shooting this until I get my problem figured out. I have a ton of respect for that, a ton, um, because that was the best answer anybody's ever given me on why they're shooting crossbow. And now look at you. Now you're shooting trad. You know, no now doubt. you got, you know, yeah. So yeah, I'll, you, I'll work through you're that. not still crutching. You, yeah, you work through it. And to bring it full circle, when I had target panic and I was struggling to put deer down, um, that's what we got on the phone with Scott Poche because you helped me with that. And you said Scott Poche was the one that helped work through your target panic problem and that's why we why we had him on him on the podcast yep yeah no I, doubt he, he helped me out a bunch and and just like i said it, you know even a doctor goes to a doctor yeah he sure it's a good he point treat himself so you know point, one, yeah. one of the things you, as, as archers you know we got to realize we're all in this together and there's nothing wrong with raising your hand for help and you have to be self-accountable we're in a sport where a lot of what we do is by ourselves and you know i'm trying to think how this this saying goes but you know ethics is what you do when nobody's watching right and honestly a lot of us don't have anybody watching us when we're bow hunting so it's incumbent on us to be honest with ourselves about have we practiced enough? Is our equipment in the best shape that it can be? Is it tuned perfectly? Are our broadhead sharp? Can we place it accurately in a hunting situation? And that's, you know, that was kind of what I'd talk to you about, Kyler. Um, So many people practice in a flat range or in their backyard, flat ground, 20 yards at a bag with a dot on it. They might pick up a 3D target and throw it out there broadside 20 yards, 
but they yeah. never quarter it. They never set it at a quartering angle. They never get in a tree with the bow. They don't shoot with other people. All of that leads to more realistic practice, leads to accountability. Uh, I hear, I was telling you in lock, I hear a lot of guys say, oh man, I shoot better at fur or at feathers than I do at a target. Well, they're kind of not really being honest with themselves because I do have a friend who does. He, he, yeah. I can't think of very many animals he's ever missed. It's been rare. And he usually puts a great shot on them. But he's a pie plater on a target. And I, 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 he's very ADD, and I just think he focuses when it, when it really push comes to shove. He's a good shot and a good hunter. But he's the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most, I, most people get, you know, when it's a clutch situation, they panic. I think some people people might hear what we're talking about here, and because I I, I can I can identify with this a little bit personally. Um, I, I don't I wouldn't be the the customer that came in and told you that. Um, on that surface level, where I really just believed, hey, I mean, I just shoot animals better. But I will say this, I struggle with target panic when I'm aiming at a dot. I can shoot a 3D target better than I can a dot. And it's not about me thinking, hey, I'm just clutching the moment and I can, I can shoot an animal. It's not that. It's, it's literally the physical dot. For whatever reason, I struggle with being able to be as sound with my release with you know having a smooth release and being solid on a dot whereas i can center in even on a small a very small dot size area on the vitals of a 3d target or an animal and i'm calmer just whether i'm shooting at a target or i'm shooting an animal um just that very dialed down part of the shot for some reason when i'm looking down my sight at a dot i I struggle with that, and I think that's probably not that uncommon. Um, and so I think some people probably have that opinion from that sort of feeling, especially guys that don't do a lot of target archery. They don't get the opportunity to improve that, so it kind of sticks with them, you know what I mean? No and, doubt, no doubt. But 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 to your point, from the ethical accountability standpoint, if, you know, you let that carry into this idea that I don't really look, I'm so much better with animals that I don't, you know, that, that kind of makes up for some of the lack of preparation and practice. That's not the way to be. And, and I also want to say before we go really any further that I, I don't want people to feel like I'm trying to stereotype, um, any tip, uh, particular shooter or, or, or cast a, a wide blanket across everybody. And speaking specifically about the crossbows, I have, I have a number of good friends who have the same kind of very legitimate reasons and I you know for shooting a crossbow and I don't have any problem with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it in general and I also know I I can say this about gun hunters because my dad is one of them. My dad he likes to gun hunt because he likes guns. Like, it's not about it's easier to kill a deer. Like, he likes guns. He likes to shoot his guns. He likes to hunt with them. And I know there are people that enjoy the sport of crossbow hunting and all that. So I'm not trying to cast a wide blanket. I don't want anybody to be mad at me and say, you know, this, that. I'm not. But I do feel like, you know, some of these things we're talking about with general archery and very specifically kind of more to 
speaking to our current situation in 2021 and the changes that's happened in our sport, the crossbow has become, on the one hand, this great expansion of our sport and this great way to bring people into the sport, but it's also it's also just kind of supported a little bit of a, a, a lazy trend in our society in general where, oh, well, this is just a easy way for me to go kill a deer. And to your point, I think the best message people can take from this is not whether you should or shouldn't shoot whatever kind of archery equipment that you want to shoot legally, but w- there isn't an easy way out. You know, the archery shop can't give you an easy way out, and the equipment can't give you an easy way out. You've got to fall in love with the sport itself and not just the opportunity to kill something. And in doing that, that kind of requires you this prerequisite of accountability and preparation and organization and some of these other words that we've used to describe that process of being ethical and 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 kind of diving off into it and not just picking up any weapon because it gives you another day to go out there and hopefully kill something, right? Is that Does that sound somewhat uh, of a summary? That, that pretty much hit, hit all the high points. You know, the, uh, remember at the end of the day, all hunters are in this together. It doesn't matter if you hunt, like Kyler was saying, it doesn't matter if you lay out claymores for the deer, if it's legal at the end of the day, we're all hunters and we need to stick together. Whether you hunt with a gun, a crossbow, a howitzer, whatever it is, if it's legal and you become proficient with it and you're able to make a clean kill and, and do the animal justice. I'm all for it. I don't, you know, I don't want to single anybody out. That's not the point. The The point is we need to try to really perfect our craft and give the animal enough respect and ourselves to, to make sure we, you know, we do a good job. Well, like you yeah. said, we're all in it together. And so because of that, it's kind of like um, a team to me, you know, uh, on a team, you have to hold your teammates accountable because what they do affects you. And unfortunately, their unethical behavior is a black eye on the sport. And it doesn't matter whether it's with a a traditional bow, a compound bow, a crossbow, or a firearm. When it comes to hunting, um, laziness and and not being accountable is a black eye on the sport. And if if, if, – if you don't like people saying that, then maybe you should evaluate, self-evaluate a little bit. Well, well, I'll use, use Rena as an example. I had a horrible year a couple of years ago. I was, I felt like, I just say, I felt like a loser. I felt like I had lost my ability to ride a bike, and um, I had to have a very vulnerable, you know, honest conversation with myself. So you need help from somebody that can help you get this through, through this target panic issue and talk to Scott Poche, started working on it. And then I came back the next year and had one of the best years of hunting I've ever had. And so it's, it's okay. like, I guess one of the things we have to remember is that sometimes like this period of, of poor decision-making or poor ethics or poor sportsmanship in general, a lot of times it's just a blip in time. Um, it's a temporary thing as long as you work out of it. But if you're not putting any effort into working out of it and you know you have a problem, I have a huge problem with that. If you're not actually trying to fix your problem and, and you're okay with wounding deer or like, um, uh, for example, um, there's some people that still like to t- try to take headshots. I'll never be on board with that. I think that's 
I think that's irresponsible and I think it's sophomoric and immature and um, uh, there's no excuse for it, especially headshots with a bow. That's, that's, that's awful. That is a horrible way to represent our sport to other people. I don't care if they're other hunters or not, but you know, that's, that is a low percentage shot. If you've done it successfully a few times, you're, it's going to blow up one of the times on you and you're going to, you're going to wound a deer and shoot their jaw off or something like that. But anyway, I don't agree with that, but that's just, you can stop that in a split second, but you have to make that choice to do so. If you don't want to do that, then I, I do have a problem with people that aren't good stewards of the sport. Um, and, and lock for what you're saying, I think about the team. I really like the team analogy ton because, um, as we, I, I think we, we've, said this a, a lot in the past a crossbow has kind of become the gateway into other types of archery and what's interesting is like it started off where we had trad bows and then we got compounds and then you went into crossbows later in life but now it's kind of flipped sammy you're, you're doing this now you, you've got um is at some point in time you shoot a crossbow you get back into compound and then you get into trad like it's reversed <laughs> somehow uh and so if if you choose to, to hunt with a crossbow you can't go into it whimsically when, you know, that it has to be just as serious of an effort as if you're going to do it with a compound or even a trad, not a trad book, trad book, you got to shoot that damn thing 36 times a day to stay sharp with it. But, um, anyway, uh, that's my perspective. And I think that's what kind of what you were saying, Locke, is that yeah. if you're, if we're going to hold you accountable. You want to play this game, do it the right way, shoot whatever weapon you want, but be the best you can be with that weapon. You know? Yeah. Um, so, don't make anything uh, yeah. a shortcut. This is, a, I mean, we th- this this has been circled back around to on this podcast and many other out uh, archery podcasts I've listened to as well. Um, it's simply not a sport. It's it 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 shouldn't be. And and for another little cliche about the team, a team's only strong as, as strong as its weakest member, right? So if you have yeah. a rising culture within the sport of laziness and um you know borderline ethical um and and that that's not that's not focused on crossbows you've also got people that go buy a $500 kit bow and whatever broadhead they saw on the outdoor channel they don't even know if it's the right arrow and the right broadhead configuration for for them their draw length may or may not be right but they go buy it in September and they go shoot a handful of times in the afternoon when they get a chance and then it's a chance to go drink beer and be at the camp, and they start slinging razor blades at animals. That's that's just as bad as as taking a shortcut with with any weapon. I mean, that, it's not focused on one particular group. But yeah, I think one of the one of the things is uh, this is uh, when you're hunting with archery equipment, regardless of how high tech it is, you've got, you you got to put effort, and and if you want to be that accountable ethical person, you got to put effort and you've got to put um some of the other things that sammy said you know the organization and and the practice and the time it requires all of that and without that it's uh it it can manifest itself as a black eye sort of thing and Mm -hmm. um you know that's that's that that that's kind of the roundabout of the conversation and i hope that that's not taken too too much the wrong way but again i'll say like it or not, if you're taking it the wrong way, you might be the person we're talking to. Um, sorry if that offends sure. you. But, um, right. 
Um, but, you know, hey, I, I think that given given context of where we're at, um, I think this has been a great conversation for this time of the year because there's a lot of guys who don't necessarily fit into this role, but um, with life and, and whatnot, maybe they've been pressed for time and they're trying to rush and find time to get into the archery shop, or maybe they're that person that's been stuck for the last two or three months trying to fill a need that they just can't because of inventory issues. They can't find it online. They can't find it at an archery shop. And so they're kind of pressed for time. Um, so I think it's been a good conversation about uh, those kind of things. And, and I hope that, that people can kind of take these things to heart next time they go visit your shop or any other shop and, and start kind of preparing themselves, whether whether that's for this coming weekend or for, or, or for seasons to come. So I uh, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very happy with with all the points that we hit. Definitely, and I, I don't know who who said it, but somebody said the word process. And I think if you know archers, be they beginning archers or experienced ones, if they will embrace the process mm-hmm. instead of the result, that it will carry through, and they'll have a much better experience overall. The whole yeah. process yeah. of setting the bow up, tuning the bow. Um, you know, I love teaching customers about that, but it's hard for me to do this time of year. You got to come in in February or March when we're slow. And if you'll enjoy that process, then it, it, it opens up a whole new enjoyment of hunting yeah. That, yeah. that you don't get if somebody just hands you a bow that's tuned and you go out there and chuck a few arrows and go shoot a deer. Preach on, brother. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've said that. I, that I mean, that's that's really that's one of my kind of. It, it's one of the biggest things to me when I talk about this with anyone. It really stands out in my mind. Is the thing that I want to share with other people when it comes to someone new who's who's talking about getting into hunting, or whether it's someone who's been hunting a long time and they're trying to like just kind of work through what they want out of it. Uh, you know, I'm a guy who. I haven't shot a deer with a rifle in many years, and it's 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 because of the process. I fell in love with the process and not the result. And so it's it's there's so many things from the what you know the, what we're talking about here is the actual process of getting into a piece of equipment and mastering that piece of equipment and putting it to use. But it even goes further than that. The way you hunt. The purpose the behind it. Yeah, the woodsmanship that you have to learn. And, you know, the result becomes so much sweeter when it's not just shortcut after shortcut so that you can get your butt into a stand and shoot a deer and go post it on Facebook and go drink beer and celebrate with your buddies. But you can still do all those things. But when you have that process that led you all the way to it, it's so much sweeter. Um, and, you know, it. Uh, it, it to me that's one of the the highlighted things about archery and bow hunting for me is it, it if you do it the way we're talking about it it forces you to figure out your process and everybody's process is probably a little bit different but they're all kind of the same in that you know um going about it uh we're all going to end up kind of following a similar path even though it may be a little bit different but uh, for an individual person, but I think that that is that's what I want to share with people. That's that's the 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 idea that I want to share with people. It's not about what you shoot, what kind of equipment you shoot, 
Um, it's just about it being kind of a, a bigger thing than just a weapon that you can kill something with. E- easy and quick and efficient, and I just, man, I want to kill a, a buck like my buddies have, so I just need something that's going to be high percentage odds so that I can get to that result point. And you just, it's it's kind of like if you go on a road trip, and the point of going on the road trip is to road trip, right? If that's the point, right. why would you sleep until you got to the destination? You know, um, I mean, Absolutely. you would miss the whole road trip. If you're going to go well, on a road trip with your buddies, you're not going to sleep the whole way. You're going to enjoy the, 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 the road trip, and that's, that's, that's what I, I would like to see people, because I think it, it creates better bow hunters. Absolutely, and back to the bows versus vertical bows versus crossbows thing. I get people all the time that come in the store, man, I want to buy a bow, but I'm not sure whether I want to buy a vertical bow or a crossbow. First question I ask them, why are you here? You, you want a hobby? Or are you looking, you know, what, what's your reason for wanting this? And the thing that I tell them is, you know, the, the crossbow is a means to an end. You buy it, you do a few things. If you learn, if you master it, you can go shoot a deer with it. But if you buy a vertical bow, it often becomes the end. The means is what becomes the end with that. People end up shooting that vertical bow, and they they spend more time shooting that bow and going through the process than they ever spend sitting in a tree or shooting at an animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's a good good way to good way to so, highlight it, point it out. Yeah, if you if you have that time to be able to devote to that, it, it's so much more rewarding, and that that's that hole that the crossbow leaves, you know that that isn't filled. Yeah, well. Um... Like I said, uh, a lot of good points. I think uh, a lot of people probably have been, you know, at this time of the year and, and, and specifically probably more the last couple of weeks uh, before now, probably been dealing with some of these decisions themselves and how they should go about it, and I hope we've provided some good information. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience, your opinions based on a, a lot of experience in archery and and, and it, in in the uh, retail environment specifically with a lot of different customers, a lot of different needs, and that's very valuable. So we appreciate you taking the time. Want to remind you all, um, the new Louisiana Bow Hunter hat designs and uh, Kyler are are we got some t-shirt stuff coming really soon, right? Yeah, we got some t-shirts coming out. Should be should be at the beginning of November. End of October, possibly. Yeah, so go to Louisiana Bow Hunter, pick up one of our new hats. We're real excited and proud of how they came out. Go, the new go get one from couple. Sammy. Yeah, or, or go to your local shop there you go. and get yep, one from Sammy. We have Sammy. them there. Yeah, I, so. I really yeah, we, appreciate you guys. <laughs> hey, hey, I want, I want to say that because uh, this is this was really funny. It happened on the community page. I, I need to actually like thank the community members for sticking up for us on shipping prices because there was a guy, uh, his name was, I think it was Bert Guillory, I believe. And he <laughs> said, Hey, you know, I, and this, I'm not, uh, I'm not, this is not a mean thing at all. I just thought it was really funny how it went down. He said, Hey, you know, I really want to get a hat, but, and a decal, but the shipping's like nine bucks. Uh, that's a, I feel like that's a little high. What do you guys think? And like 50 people were like, like came to our defense. Right. Yeah. And, and they were like, well, why don't you just go get one from a, from an archery shop or why don't you get one from wherever you're you know nearby or a one stop or something like that? Cause we got them all over. But, um, 
at the very end of it, he was like, all right, you convinced me. And like, the guy placed his order. I don't think he lived near an archery shop. I'm not sure. But um, it was kind of funny because it, it could have just as easily been like this crowd, like group think of like, yeah, it is high. That's mm. too high. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but instead, instead, everybody was like, uh, just why don't you drive? an hour and go pick one up or something but anyway thank y'all for sticking up for us because i i didn't see it until like 30 comments in it was really funny yeah so people so. that so for, for just for clarification for people that that may be wondering and saw that post guys if you shop online for anything in life that's the shipping is what it is we don't set the price um, you know, websites these days are integrated with other services, and that includes uh, the Postal Service and UPS and their rates and all that sort of thing. So we kind of have to meet it in the middle. We don't um, – we don't it, – it's not our decision to charge you that much. That's what it costs, and we are just passing that along like everybody else that's trying to do uh, Internet commerce. But to the point, if you – you know, we're, we've got stuff. If you're in the New Orleans area – Go see Sammy. He's got stuff, and that applies to most every community and every corner of the state. You can find it somewhere um, in a in a in a like Kyler said in a one stop corner store or in an archery shop or somewhere like that. So either way, we love seeing you guys support the brand and and wear the brand and and post your pictures and send them to us and we will share them and um, that's what this is as a community. And uh, we're glad to have guys like Sammy running good shops and and helping us to uh and, and move the brand forward with uh with conversations like this on the podcast as well as carrying the stuff so we just encourage you guys we're real proud of how our new hat designs came out they, we think they look really good and encourage you to go check those out and in the meantime um if you're going to hit the woods this weekend let's all cross our fingers and hope for better weather and better results bring, than, bring both your thermosels yeah ho- hopefully the the mosquitoes and the humidity are a little bit better for the second weekend and if you kill something send us a pic or post it on our community page and let us know we're all really excited and and uh you know i i personally you know we talked about how bad the weather was and it was and i didn't expect much but i did actually um, I guess it's just a numbers game, but there were there were more successful hunters out there than I kind of expected there to be. Come the end of the weekend, I was seeing a lot more successful hunters than I expected to, given the weather. And I think we've had north winds all all week, so we got that little high pressure, and it's still a little bit warm during the day, but it feels a little bit more like October. So I'm expecting this weekend to be really more of the official kickoff in terms of people seeing deer and having stories to tell and success. So be safe. Yeah. And, um, you know, get out there and I'm going to take my kid hunting this weekend. So I'm excited about that and hope that, uh, hope, wish everyone success and, uh, you know, just, uh, support our supporters, support the brand and stop posting classifieds on the community page. Cause I'm tired of deleting <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah. Just go, go show you 2004 adrenaline somewhere else. Sorry. Yep. All right, guys. Sammy, thanks again, and uh, we really appreciate uh, everybody's support, and we will talk to you next week. Appreciate y'all having me, guys. This week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show, reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com, and if you want to help support Louisiana Bowhunter, go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise. If you don't have any at your local shop, let us know, and we'll reach out to them, or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com, and we'll ship it out to you same day. See you next week. Thank you.